Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Stories of the New Testament, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner in defense of Christianity. Podcast 187 examines Matthew chapter 22, 23 through 33, part 4. The Marriage Covenant and the Resurrection To understand Matthew 22, it is useful to go back to the story of Adam and Eve and their relationship as husband and wife. The tradition of the resurrection and the eternal nature of the marriage covenant begins with the story of Adam and Eve who were married by the Lord. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Before they are cast out of the Garden of Eden, they are referred to as husband and wife. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. There is no more enigmatic prophet in the Old Testament than Elijah who, like Enoch, was taken up into heaven without tasting death. The last chapter of Malachi, speaking of the return of Elijah, also refers to the eternal nature of the family. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Heaven patterns earth, and earth mirrors heaven. Earth is a shadow of heaven. We were a family in heaven. We are all spirit children of God. He is referred to as our Father, making us all brothers and sisters. We came to earth to gain a physical body with the charge to Adam and Eve, our first parents, to multiply and to replenish the earth. Who comes to earth through the lineage of Adam and Eve? none other than all the other children of God who are still spirits living with God. Elijah is intimately involved in the family relationships as revealed in Malachi's prophecy. Regarding the eternal nature of marriage, Jesus said, as recorded in Mark 10, And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement, and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, 
For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. As with Adam and Eve, who were married by God himself, Christ announces the doctrine, What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. In other words, the marriage covenant was meant to last forever, but it had to be performed under the power of God. That is why that binding power, which had been lost because of apostasy, was restored to the apostles. Matthew sixteen nineteen. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Note that Peter received the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys refer to power or authority. Those keys gave him the power to bind husband and wife together in an eternal bond that, just as with Adam and Eve, was meant to endure for eternity. That is what Christ meant when he said, What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. By having the priesthood keys of that power, Peter could bind husband and wife together forever. The power given to the apostles to bind on earth and to bind in heaven, along with baptism, applies to the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. When done by the power of the priesthood of God, it is an eternal bond. Christ is trying to teach us what the kingdom of heaven is like. If you look again at the prophecy of Malachi, he is also talking about the eternal nature of the family. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Christ spent a great deal of time teaching about his kingdom. In John 18, Christ said to Pilate, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. Though the Jews rejected Jesus Christ as the true Messiah, they did not reject the belief that the Messiah would come as they are still looking for him. They are also expecting the return of Elijah as they set the table with a cup of wine and leave the door open for his return during Passover. Husband and wife are meant to be together in the afterlife. In the following, the nature of the eternal marriage covenant, which was a common belief among the Jews, is challenged by the Sadducees who rejected the resurrection. They try to entrap Jesus with a ridiculous conundrum. In Matthew 22 we read, The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and ask him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife, and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh, and last of all the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? for they all had her. It is clear from the hyperbole that their question is disingenuous. 
The Sadducees were considered the aristocracy, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica. The Sadducees were the party of high priests, aristocratic families, and merchants, the wealthier element of the population. They came under the influence of Hellenism, tended to have good relations with the Roman rulers of Palestine, and generally represented the conservative view within Judaism. While their rivals, the Pharisee, claimed the authority of piety and learning, the Sadducees claimed that of birth and social and economic position. During the long period of the two-party struggle, which lasted until the Romans' destruction of Jerusalem, the Sadducees dominated the temple and its priesthood. The question by the Sadducees is unmistakably an attack against traditional Judaism. The majority of Jews believed both in the resurrection and in the continuation of the family after death. Jesus does not reject the resurrection. After all, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Only because of Christ can we be resurrected. He knows their cunning. He doesn't reject the eternal nature of marriage either, which was held by the Pharisees and by the majority of the Jewish community. You can tell by the nature of the question that the eternal nature of marriage is already assumed by the Jews. That is the bind the Sadducees, who are in competition with the Pharisees for power, tried to put the Savior into. If he denied the eternal nature of marriage, the Pharisees and the entire Jewish community would come down on him. We have already learned that Christ is never cut off guard. His brilliant repartee is well documented. His answer is brilliant. He sidesteps their crafty question and teaches the doctrine of the resurrection. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Let's examine the first part of Jesus' answer. Jesus does not say that there are no marriages in heaven. He is saying there are no marriages performed in heaven. As with Adam and Eve, who were not married until after they had a physical body, all marriage covenants must be made on earth. After the resurrection, no more marriage covenants are made. Jesus' answer to the Sadducees is about the resurrection. He is condemning the Sadducees for not believing in the resurrection. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees are divisive. The Sadducees want to turn the Pharisees against Jesus. The Pharisees want to turn everyone against Jesus, including the Romans. Their questions are cunning and filled with contention and hate. As with the others, the Sadducees failed in their attempt to turn the Jews, who believed in eternal marriage and the resurrection, against Christ. The Pharisees and other Jews accepted Christ's answer because they understood the nature of the resurrection and the nature of the marriage covenant. All opportunities of marriage or of repentance end with the resurrection, because immediately following the resurrection comes the final judgment. The last ordinance of man before judgment is the resurrection. There are no ordinances performed after the resurrection. Our future is fixed. The only reason some must wait for the second resurrection is because they have some important business to attend to, such as suffering for their sins in hell. The final judgment is just that, the final judgment. If the wife did not marry one of the seven husbands by the power of God before the resurrection, she will have no husband, but will be an angel only. Christ again reaffirms the resurrection and life after death to the Sadducees, 
and also he reaffirms that he is the only true God. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which is spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. The Jews had no problem with the answer. The Pharisees were happy because he put the Sadducees in their place, and he reaffirmed what 2,000 years of tradition had taught them. To understand Christ's explanation to the Sadducees, we must understand the stages of man according to the Holy Bible. Stage 1. The Premortal Existence In the premortal existence, marriage between the spirit children of God did not exist. It occurs on the earth only. There would have been no purpose in marriage, we being only spirits. Stage 2. The Garden of Eden It was in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were given physical bodies, and it was in the Garden of Eden where they were married by God, as clearly stated by Moses, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. However, before the fall, Adam and Eve lived in an innocent state, not even knowing they were naked. That means their sin could not have been sexual, as some falsely believe. First, they were married, and second, they didn't know they were naked. That is the great paradox of the Garden of Eden. They had two commandments. One, do not eat of the forbidden fruit. And two, multiply and replenish the earth. They could not obey both. They had to make a choice. The only way they could multiply and replenish the earth was to eat of the forbidden fruit and bring about the fall. They chose to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil so that they could have children. It was the plan from the beginning but it had to be their choice. Agency is one of the profound gifts of God that he jealously protects. Because the fall was necessary for Adam and Eve to multiply and to replenish the earth, Christ agreed to sacrifice his life to atone for the sins of Adam and Eve and all of their posterity in order to allow us all to return to the presence of God the Father and to continue forever under the marriage covenant. Marriage between a man and a woman is an eternal principle. Stage 3. After the Fall Because of the fall, still man and wife, they became mortal, and for the first time were able to multiply and to replenish the earth. That means that their children were also bound by covenant to their parents, hence the fifth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. God performed the marriage, and with God everything is eternal. That is why God said, What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Stage 4. The Spirit World After Death The spirit world is where we go when we die. Our physical bodies, however, remain behind, reduced to dust. Therefore, where do marriages occur? As with baptism, they occur only on earth as modeled by Adam under the power of the priesthood as was given to Peter and his apostles. Those marriages that are sealed by the power of God as given to the apostle Peter are eternal. Those that aren't sealed under the power of God aren't sealed after the resurrection where no marriages are performed. Many things happen in the spirit world that have not been revealed, but the ordinance of marriage must occur on earth. Stage 5 the resurrection. After the resurrection, the opportunity to marry ends permanently. 
The incredibly special thing about the resurrection is that it represents the summation of everything that we are and have become. The resurrection does not come until after our work is finished. Those who come forth in the first resurrection are only those who accepted the Savior and are ready to be judged for their works. After the resurrection, no repentance can be done. Those who come forth in the second resurrection are those who first had to answer to the law of justice for their sins. No saving ordinance can be done after the resurrection. The resurrection itself is a kind of judgment. Stage 6. The Final Judgment Immediately following the resurrection comes the final judgment, and kingdoms are assigned according to our works. Christ said, In my Father's house are many mansions. The resurrection is the last act before the final judgment. Our body and spirit reunite, never to be divided. Our resurrected bodies will reflect the light according to the laws we live. There is no more chance for repentance, or marriage, or change of mind. At the resurrection, with that resurrected body, we will appear individually before Christ for the final judgment in which he will appoint the kingdom we inherit, which will be compatible with the light of our resurrected bodies. Paul refers to the celestial glory, the terrestrial glory, and the glory of the stars. Thus, there is no contradiction between what Christ said to the Sadducees, who did not believe in a resurrection, and to the Pharisees and other Jews who did. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.